contains grim descriptions of graphic content intended for a mature audience. Listener discretion is advised. Listening to Gore Report, a true crime podcast. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Some slow snapping, slow snapping to to start the vibe. It sounds like we do not want to be here today. <laughs> oh my goodness! Which is totally not the it's case. It's totally not the totally case. not the case. I'm actually pretty excited for today's episode. I mean, not really. Excited. I'm not. You've been. That's all you've been touting is how fucking horrible this case is. I'm not ready for this. Yeah, it's definitely not going to be a fun one today. Not at all. But before we get into the beans, yeah, I would like to wish you a good day and a good week and, and a, a good, good <laughs> we are always wishing you the best no matter what and if this is your first time listening to us then welcome 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 and we're sorry <laughs> and we are sorry we also this week received a new gore goat yes yay so a big thank you to jerry yes Yay. Yes, yes, faster snapping for you. Why? Because we love you. But only if you consent to it. Because if you listen to our show, you would know that consent is important. Very important. Very important. So, <laughs> we really don't have too much business to get into today. We do have a little bit, but this week we are going to be talking about the Adrian Reynolds case. It is horrible. Um, oh, no. It is truly horrible. And uh, I do have a few things to say. Like I said, just a few notes. Um, But this case was a listener request. I was asked to cover this by one of our lovely listeners named Jenny. So, hi, Jenny. Hello. Thank you so much for your suggestion. I greatly appreciate you sending this my way. Jenny has been listening to the show for a pretty long time now, and she's always been just super sweet and super supportive and just the kindest person you could ever be. So uh, again, Jenny, we appreciate you greatly, and I hope you are satisfied with my coverage today. Now, the next thing I would like to say on the note of listener request, uh, I know a lot of you have sent in suggestions via email and through our socials. Please know that we have not forgotten about your requests. (laughs) Not at all. Uh, Ray and I log every single suggestion we get from you guys into a master list, so we have everything recorded If you've requested a case for us to cover and we haven't gotten it out yet, just know that we are working on dwindling down our list. So today's episode, like I said, is a request. And over the coming weeks, Ray and I are going to be getting some some of those out for you guys for sure. So we totally hear you. We want to give you what you want to hear. I just, you know, wanted to thank you, A, for being patient with us and B, give that gentle reminder that we have not forgotten about anything that you guys have sent us, not at all. Not one piece. And we even mark who it's from and where we received the message and, you know, every every little detail about it um, that you guys give us is what we log. Also, I do want to mention that before I get into mine like for next week when i gotta get into mine i do have 
um, an episode of Things That Keep Me Up at Night coming up. And then after that, it's like nothing but requests for quite a while. Gotcha, um, gotcha. We're really going to be working on getting that list kind of dwindled down some. So Yeah, because we like to mix in, like, we were trying to randomize everything and just go by, like, what, you know, what popped out to us at that week. And... Like mixing in our own little stuff and doing the sideshows and trying to get requests out, we were like, "Man, this list is getting really long." <laughs> right. So we're gonna <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna tackle it. So yes, just that gentle reminder for all of you again. Um, the next thing that I want to announce, and I want to announce it early. I just felt like it would be appropriate. But on Thursday, February twenty second. We will not have an episode that day, and that is because I am going on a week-long trip to Maryland. Yes! Yay! It's going to be so much fun. Your um, first time riding in a plane. How yes, do you feel? Yes. Um, I am scared, but we're not going to be recording an episode that week. My flight is on February 14th, which is a Wednesday. And since we record our episodes on Tuesdays, we will be able to record that Tuesday before I leave. Um, so that Thursday, which will be the 15th, we will have an episode, but I will not be back till the following Wednesday, which is the 21st. Um, so there's just not going to be a way that I would, you know, be back in time for us to record something and yeah. have it out the same day. So and it's, you're going, you know, you're going to visit your friends and everything. Yes, so like, yes, you yes. need to be able to enjoy that time and researching takes up. A lot of a time. A lot of time. <laughs> right, right. So it's only going to be that one week that we won't have an episode and we'll be resuming normal upload schedule after that. I just wanted to let you guys know that in advance. And of course, we will remind you as it gets closer because we still have, I think, three weeks before that happens. I've literally been spending the time trying to prep him of going through the airport, like what it's like to go through the airport here and yeah, cause I've, what it's like to be on a plane. Right, because and... we live right next to Atlanta. And Atlanta has one of the busiest airports in the nation. And I've never even been inside of an airport. And that was going to be like the next thing that I said is I'm excited for the trip. I'm just nervous because, you know, like you said, it is my first time on a plane. Um, I'm extremely scared of heights. And uh, I'm also scared of like freak accidents and things like that. I have a little bit of that uh, final destination trauma. A, a little bit so you know i'm trying not to think like that yeah but i'm i can say that i'm more excited than i am scared um i've never been that far north before so it's going to be seeing a whole new area a whole new place and i'm just excited to get out of georgia for a couple of days and spend some time with some super fucking awesome people it's just going to be a nice it's breath of fresh air great. for me honestly it's going to be great you're going to go on this journey you're going to go see our friends you're gonna go have a good time. We're gonna play lots of Genshin. And you're gonna, you're gonna, <laughs> you're gonna go up there safe. You're gonna come back safe. Yes, 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 yes. So, we have all of that announced. Again, you know, when it does get closer to the time that we're not gonna have an upload, we will remind you guys. But yeah, that's pretty much it for the announcements today. Um, the last thing that I wanted to say is related to the case, um, and I just wanted to make something clear before we begin. Adrian Reynolds was only 16 years old when she was brutally, and I mean fucking brutally, murdered by two of her so-called best friends and schoolmates. These two friends of Adrian's were Sarah Kolb and Harley Quinn. Now, when you research this case, you will see a different name for Harley. Adrian's murder happened in 2005, and at the time of the murder, Harley identified with he-him pronouns. Mm -hmm. 
So in recent years, I found that Harley has transitioned and now uses she, her pronouns. Mm -hmm. So to respect this, I will not be using Harley's dead name at all during my telling of this story. Um, I feel like that would be incredibly bigoted and disrespectful. Um, I believe that everyone should have their gender identity and just their identity in general validated and respected. So as we progress through the events of today's case, I will be referring to Harley as Harley. And I will be using her correct pronouns. Uh, This in no way means that I approve of what this person did. Because I will tell you now that I think Sarah and Harley, they are both incredibly demented and horrible fucking people. Um, I mean, it's the principle of it. You know, it's the principle of respecting someone's identity versus like their actions. Right, exactly. Because I have nothing in my brain that supports what these people did. I think that what they did to Adrian is entirely unforgivable. Uh, They committed a murder that is nothing short of just completely evil, senseless, and barbaric. And I know I use that word a lot, but this this is truly barbaric. Adrian did not deserve to be killed. She definitely didn't deserve to be killed in the way that she was killed. No one does. But regardless of how I feel about the actions of Sarah and Harley, I will in no way take it upon myself to purposefully misgender or disrespect someone that is a validation and respect that we all deserve and not honoring that is a level of ignorance and rudeness that you will never find on this podcast never so with all that being said buckle in your assholes everybody we can we can get into it Adrian Lee Reynolds was born to a single teenage mother on September 12th, 1988 in El Dorado, Arkansas. Her mother's name is Coraline, and she was only 16 years old when she had Adrian. So shortly after her birth, Adrian was adopted by her maternal grandparents, Tony and Beverly Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Carolyn was obviously very young when she had Adrian, and she wasn't quite in a place where she could take care of a child. But Tony, Beverly, Carolyn, and Adrian would all live together under one roof for a few years, and Tony and Beverly would be the ones to predominantly raise Adrian. Tony and Beverly would eventually divorce. I'm not sure exactly when, but after they did, Beverly moved out to Kilgore, Texas, and she took Coraline and Adrian with her. Okay. So Tony stayed behind in Arkansas for some time after this, but eventually... He would move out to East Moline, Illinois, and when he moved, he would rekindle a spark with an old high school sweetheart of his, a woman named Joanne. And the two really had a great connection. The passion was reignited for them, and their relationship got serious rather quickly. Uh, They even ended up getting married. So Joanne was now Adrian's stepmother. So Adrian, she spent the first chunk of her childhood and early adolescence with her mother and grandmother in Texas. She was described as an extremely happy and bright kid. She loved the color pink, and she loved to sing. Adrian even had dreams of competing on American Idol. She she wanted to become a famous country singer, and according to the people that knew Adrian, she had an incredibly beautiful singing voice. Like, evidently, she really had a talent for singing. Like, everyone just said that her voice was just incredibly good. So, Adrian also had a strong love for fashion design, and that was something else that she dreamt of doing as well, just being a fashion designer. Yeah. She also loved art and drawing and pretty much anything artistic and creative. Adrian's stepmother, Joanne, said that she had an incredible amount of ambition and that above all else, quote, 
Adrian wanted to do good and make something of herself one day, end quote. Now, as Adrian got older, getting into her preteen and teenage years, she did start acting out and rebelling quite a bit, um, you know, as most teenagers do. Adrian's father, Tony, said that Adrian was, quote, a handful, putting it lightly. <laughs> <laughs> so Adrian had a problem with authority, and she definitely didn't like when anyone tried making her obey and follow rules. Same. So yes. she, you said, same, same. Yes, no, same. you're fine. You're fine. So Adrian, uh, she started hanging out with a not so good crowd at school. She started experimenting with smoking weed and drinking and, you know, other things like that. And this would lead Adrian to get into a lot of trouble, both in and out of school. Mm -hmm. By the time she was 12 years old, Adrian already had a stay in a rehab program as well as three assault charges on her Holy record. Holy shit. And that's that's pretty intense. Homegirl um, went <laughs> I mean, wild she, she was I mean, she was doing she was doing her thing. She was. <laughs> So as she got older, she only continued to rebel against her mom. Adrian continued to smoke and drink, and she made it very clear that she hated school. She also started self-harming when she was around 13 or 14 years old, more specifically cutting. And I, I, I know that can be a very triggering thing for most, but, uh, you know, giving you the facts as they are. Yeah. She was getting into fights with her mom a lot of the time as well. I mean... Things were definitely a little rough for Adrian at this point. It seems that she was very much calling out for help in a lot of ways, dealing with her own trauma and her own emotions the best way that she knew how to. It definitely wasn't the best of ways to handle mm -hmm. things, but we know that hurt kids and kids who feel unseen and unheard are more times than not the kind of kids who really act out in those ways. So I yeah. think Adrian experienced a lot of real emotions and real, you know, painful things that she didn't quite understand. And I don't think she knew how to deal with them. And I mean, good grief. No teenager knows how to adequately deal with the agonies and woes of life. You know, like, yeah. no one really... I think 100% knows how to handle everything. Well, especially as a teen, you feel like you're kind of stumbling through life. Like you don't really know. You know, you seem like the adults have everything put together. They know what job they're doing and, and this, that, and the third. And here I am like, it's I don't a, it's know a anything. Weird time, and, right. Right. But we all basically fall into these coping mechanisms that may not be the best way. Right. But right. a lot of times when we're in that situation and we're not thinking clearly we don't have anybody to be like hey that's that's really not the best you know right right and even you know in situations if we do have those people sometimes it doesn't exactly feel that way like yeah. i remember my teenage years were so weird yeah <laughs> like everything is so weird so i mean i get where she's coming from and i say all of this you know the information that i'm giving about adrian I don't want to paint a picture where it seems like I'm making Adrian out as a problem child completely because, I mean, she wasn't. Even though Adrian did act out quite a bit, it doesn't mean in any way that she wasn't deeply cherished and loved by her family. It doesn't mean that Adrian didn't love her mom or her family. I just think the early teenage years were difficult for her. I mean, as it is for most. Teenage years are hell for I, anybody. Right. And Adrian, she didn't really feel like she belonged, and she didn't really feel like she had anyone on her side. And her behavior and her grades were not really doing well. I mean, she just, you know, that's the spot she yeah. was in. And by the time she was 16 years old, her mother decided that it would be a good idea for her to move from Texas out to Moline, Illinois, to be with her father and stepmother. Kind of like and a reset. 
basically, and Adrian would make this move in November of 2004, not long after her 16th birthday. And when Adrian made the move, she was very behind in school. She had no high school credits, like yeah. at all. Uh, she was 16, very much struggling to figure out, you know, who she was, the kinds of things that she wanted out of life, her interest. The documentary episode I watched on this case described Adrian at this point in her life as, quote, a troubled kid trying to reacquaint herself with her dad and trying to find some type of focus in life, end quote. And even though Adrian did have all of these issues going on, her father and stepmother both still say today that they absolutely adored and enjoyed Adrian's presence in their home. They said she was full of life, love, and many good things to give. Adrian's mother also loved Adrian deeply, and no matter what problems they had or what kind of fights they had, Adrian was her child, and right. Adrian was the world to her. Above all else, Adrian was an extremely kind girl, and no matter what problems she had, she was loved, and her absence is still very much felt in the hearts and homes of the people who knew and loved her. Yeah, It is incredibly sad. So as I just said a hot second ago, when Adrian moved out to Moline, she was incredibly behind in school, having no credits to her name. And it was looking like she wasn't going to graduate on time with the rest of her class. Mm -hmm. Adrian definitely seemed more concerned about her social life rather than her grades. And I mean, you know, most teenagers are like that. <laughs> Am I right? Right. So Tony took the step of enrolling Adrian at the Black Hawk College Outreach Center located in East Moline. So this outreach center, to tell you a bit about what it is, it's basically a program for high school students who either are like way behind academically in regular school, mm -hmm. students who have gotten into trouble for various behavioral problems, you know, things like that. It's basically an educational program that helps kids get caught up. So this center is still around today and it offers several different programs to young students, such as obtaining a GED, for example. Mm -hmm. And when Adrian enrolled at Black Hawk, her goal was to receive her GED so that she could then go on to serve in the U.S. Marine Corps. That was kind of like her next best thing that she wanted to do, essentially. Like, she still had her dreams of becoming a singer and, you know, her fashion design and her art. Right. But she saw the Marine Corps as a more obtainable goal that she wanted to put her time towards. So Adrian started attending this program and, you know, things went smoothly for a bit of time. She was the new girl in school. She was settling into her new environment, getting adjusted to new people. Classmates of Adrian during this time describe her as a very quiet and shy, but also extremely kind girl. And she was also described as the type that wanted to fit in. So no one really had an issue with Adrian. And eventually, Adrian would catch someone's eye. And that someone would be Sarah Kolb. Now, Sarah was also 16 years old, and she was basically the queen bee. Of this Fuck. whole fucking school. So Sarah was extremely self-confident, extremely popular. Uh, one could say she was even the most popular girl in school. She wasn't afraid to speak her mind or share her ideas. And she just had this energy that people were drawn to. Mm -hmm. She was different. Sarah was known to wear black trip pants, rock band shirts, black fingernails. I mean, she had her eyebrow and her lip pierced. She had that whole image going on. Uh, Sarah was also known to have a short temper, and she could be very hot-headed and inconsiderate at times. You said trip pants, and I started thinking about my Jinkos from, like, way back. And I was <laughs> right, like, man, right. I miss them pants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Hey, I, hey, 
Oh, I love trip pants. I love trip pants. I mean, that was that was pretty much my aesthetic in school. You know, the rock shirts, the jinkos, the you know, right. I mean, same. Maybe not necessarily like the trip pants as much because, like, you know, we are a decade apart. But when I was in middle school, I was coming into my sceny weenie phase. Yeah. So it was like I hit seventh grade, and it was nothing but like bring me the horizon t-shirts and. <laughs> pants so tight i couldn't breathe like you've um. seen those necklaces where it's like you've seen those necklaces where it's like silver and they're like big metal balls right yes, yes. i used to wear those all the time it was ridiculous how heavy them things were a flash from the past a flash from the past or is it a blast from the past stop it i'm already remember. old enough but yeah you know sarah she had this uh very alternative image she was known to be hot-headed and inconsiderate like i said um and she was also described by her peers as someone you wouldn't want to piss off Mm. and due to all of these things sarah was seen as sort of an alpha female i guess you could say amongst her peers so yeah another thing to know about sarah not only was she obviously top dog at blackhawk But she was also extremely controlling, manipulative, and possessive. So this chick is an alpha female, probably listens to Andrew Tate. (laughs) Oh my god, you better stop. I I honestly have no idea what Sarah Cole listens to, nor do I care to know. Definitely don't care to know. So she's a fucking character, basically. That's the point to take from this. Uh, Sarah was also a self-proclaimed juggalo. So to those of you that don't know what a juggalo is or a juggalette, it's a name given to someone who's in the fandom of the rap group Insane Clown Posse. Yes. So one day while Sarah and Adrian were outside in the same outdoor area smoking cigarettes, Sarah would strike up a conversation with Adrian. And this is where Sarah would introduce Adrian to her best friend, 16-year-old Harley Quinn. And the three of them became a trio, basically. Sarah was super fascinated with and even a little infatuated with Adrian because age I mean Adrian was beautiful she was smart she was funny she also had this energy that just drew people in so Sarah was just fucking dumbstruck right now something to know about Harley going on the note of her uh, she was head over heels in love with Sarah and she was an old flame of Sarah's the two dated briefly but it didn't really work out so they stayed friends But Harley was still madly in love with Sarah, like even after they broke up. Harley basically followed her everywhere like a lost puppy. And it was said that Harley was in so deep that she would do absolutely anything in the world that Sarah asked her to do. And you not a good combination. No, it's not. But you're going to see as we continue that uh, that is unfortunately and wholeheartedly true. Harley was all in for Sarah. But Sarah didn't have those feelings for Harley. Sarah kept her in the friend zone. But Sarah would still control Harley. She took advantage of how much Harley loved her. And, you know, she rode with it. Sarah wouldn't let Harley hang out with or talk to other girls. None of that shit. Like, none. Sarah just kept tabs on her entirely. Other students during this time can definitely recall that Sarah had Harley wrapped around her finger. And she used it accordingly even though she had no intention of ever being with her. So, you know, there's that, there's that, there's that. Shitty, shitty. Harley's mother even spoke about this, saying that 
Harley really, really wanted to make Sarah her girlfriend. She wanted it really badly. Harley's mother also said that Harley's train of thought was she was hoping that if she hung out with Sarah for a while as a loyal best friend, just being entirely loyal to her, that maybe one day Sarah would eventually see her as more, you know, Mm, than a friend. Baby, no. But that would never be the case. And I tell you all of this, not only to paint a picture, but I want you to have an idea of like the kind of person Sarah is. And I want you to have an idea of the emotions that Harley had because all of it plays a part. Just a wee little bit. So continuing on talking more about Sarah, she openly identified as bisexual Mm -hmm. and it came to be known that Adrian was kind of curious about it. So Adrian was wanting to experiment with Sarah and Sarah at this point had already set her eyes on Adrian. Sarah was just way into her and she wanted to pursue it. And it would turn out that over time, Adrian started to develop feelings for Sarah as well. So this is the picture we have. This is the little click that you have at Blackhawk. You have Sarah and Harley, and now Adrian is in the mix. And things seemed really cool at first between the three. Adrian's stepmom, Joanne, even recalled that Adrian just came home one day and she was talking about how excited she was about this new friend that she made, some girl named Sarah. Oh, shit. So the friendship between Adrian and Sarah continued to grow. Sarah had a job working at the local movie theater and she had her own car so she would give Adrian rides back and forth to school sometimes. Sarah would even buy lunch for Adrian on occasion. The two just really hit it off and they started spending more and more time together. Adrian's stepmother said that the two girls seemed to have a lot in common, especially, excuse me, when it came to talking about their problems. Mm -hmm. Evidently, Sarah and Adrian would just be on the phone for hours just talking about their problems and their issues. Sarah also had a troubled life, and I guess the two of them being able to, I guess, relate on those levels made them closer. Right. So Sarah definitely had feelings for Adrian at this point, and Adrian was definitely starting to feel some for Sarah. And there were even rumors that Adrian and Sarah had started experimenting with one another. Um, I'm not sure how true that is, because a lot of this case, unfortunately, is he said, she said, high school bullshit. But um, that is just something that I heard. Gotcha. Continuing on, as the friendship continued to blossom between Adrian and Sarah... Things started changing a bit within the walls of Blackhawk. Adrian had pretty much become the new popular girl because she was so close with Sarah. Sarah had basically taken Adrian under her wing, and she had introduced Adrian to all of the, quote, cool kids and, you know, all of that stuff. So Adrian, in turn, started becoming super popular. And that wasn't really hard for her because, as I said earlier, she was beautiful. She had a different type of vibe compared to most people. And, you know, once she started hanging out with Sarah, everyone just started noticing Adrian. Right. And this was wonderful for Adrian because, I mean, what teenager doesn't want to fit in at a new school? Like, am I right? And everybody know you and everybody want to talk to you. Right, right. Adrian definitely wanted to fit in. She wanted to be liked and accepted. And she was really enjoying herself and her newfound popularity. She was just riding this high. Things seemed to be going really well. She goes to Blackhawk and somehow gets in with the most popular girl there. I mean, it seems fucking kosher. Right. But it's not. So I'm going to continue. Oh, <laughs> God. I had to insert some awkwardness. So, uh, just a little bit of awkwardness because cause my stomach is turning in knots. I don't like where this is heading. 
It was also noted that during this time, Adrian pretty much adapted her style to be that of Sarah. So, oh, no. yeah, before Adrian met Sarah, she didn't wear dark makeup or like black clothes with chains or like any of that kind of stuff. But as she got closer to Sarah, Adrian just kind of started flowing with that style because, you know, that's how Sarah and all of her friends dressed. And she wanted to fit in. Just and, worried about the copy paste. And Not what, the copy paste. <laughs> so Adrian doing this, it made her feel as if she was more so a part of the group. Adrian even asked her stepmom at one point if she could have facial piercings, to which Joanne was like, uh, no. <laughs> no, ma'am. <laughs> but in the documentary episode that I watched, uh, Joanne said that one day Adrian just came home with a Band-Aid over her eyebrow, and she knew immediately <laughs> that Adrian had pierced her eyebrow. <laughs> so so <laughs> she did her thing. Oh, my God. So... As time went on from this point and things started intensifying romantically between Sarah and Adrian, things kind of did start to change a bit between them. Uh, there came a time where Sarah obviously was still way into Adrian, uh, but Adrian was kind of eh. Because the thing is, now that Adrian was so popular, she was experiencing a flux of attention from all of the boys at Blackhawk. Right. She was really getting noticed by just about everybody. And uh, almost every boy in this school wanted to talk to and or date Adrian. I mean, she was <laughs> that's not an exaggeration like this documentary episode I watched. Countless people literally said that everybody wanted Adrian. Everybody just wanted to be with her. She just, she was that girl. That um, is a very scary situation. Right. When you think about it. Well, Adrian, she started noticing all the boys back. And, you know, she's 16 and she's she's really wanting to kind of, you know, pursue different things and do her thing. And she didn't really feel the same about Sarah. She kind of wanted just to... She wanted to stay friends, basically. Yeah. So Adrian did decide that she no longer wanted to experiment in that way with Sarah, and this left Sarah feeling bitter. As time went on, the two continued to hang out and be friends, but Sarah was starting to feel like she wasn't needed by Adrian anymore. She felt like she had given Adrian all of this popularity, only to be betrayed by her. Mm. Sarah felt like she was losing control, and she was also starting to feel like Adrian was taking her place as top dog at Blackhawk. So there's definitely some uh, bitterness blend cold brew coffee just coursing through Sarah's veins <laughs> at this moment. <laughs> that is the best way I know how to describe it. I'll take it on ice, please. Thank you. <laughs> so let me say, even though Sarah was starting to feel like, you know, she was losing Adrian and she felt like she was being replaced by Adrian, Sarah still very much wanted to pursue Adrian romantically. Uh -huh. Sarah wasn't going to take no for an answer, it seemed. So Sarah, she gets the idea in her mind that she wants to test Adrian's loyalty. Sarah started telling friends of hers that she just wanted to put Adrian through a test because she didn't feel like Adrian was loyal to her. And Sarah wanted to feel out further if Adrian was the kind of girl she wanted to be with. I'm sorry, bitch, who the fuck are you? Sarah Kolb is a fucking character. Like, Like, who? when I tell you, uh, I, like... I have uh, never, like, oh, be loyal to me. And let me, let me throw this into uh, Jenny... 
our listener that requested that I cover this, she said specifically when she initially sent it to me that my asshole was not going to survive Sarah Kolb. She was 1,000% correct. Jenny? Jenny? <laughs> Jenny, you were right. You were right. My asshole did not survive Sarah Kolb, and none of yours are either. I'm pretty positive. <laughs> but yeah, that's like the vibe. Sarah decides that she wants to uh, test Adrian. She wants to test that loyalty. So one night, Sarah and Harley invited Adrian to go with them to a house located in Rock Island that was referred to as the Party House. Oh, no. This house was basically a popular party spot where all of the teenagers would just go and let loose. There was lots of drinking, smoking, fooling around. I mean, all kinds of things. So Adrian accepted the invite, and when she, Sarah, and Harley got to the party house, they started partying. Oh, shit. At one point in the night, Adrian started talking to this guy, and they were getting pretty flirty. And Sarah noticed this, and it made her fucking furious. Fuck. Furious. She was just getting more and more angry as she witnessed everything. So this guy that was talking to Adrian was really, really into her, and vice versa. So uh, the two made like a Pringle and mingled. (laughs) Again, I know I'm awkward. I don't know how else to put that. (laughs) So Adrian ended up sleeping with this guy at this party. Oh, shit. And, you know, hence the Pringle mingle. Uh, (laughs) So Sarah... 100% took this as complete and utter betrayal. She felt like Adrian had just stabbed her in the back. In Sarah's mind, Adrian had failed her test. She failed. So Sarah got so upset about this that she pulled a knife out on Adrian in front of everyone in this house. Sarah threatened to stab Adrian, and even friends of Sarah recalled that when this happened, everyone was just like, Sarah, what the fuck? Like, everyone thought this was just way overboard, like no one knew what to do about it. My asshole is quaking. But even though everyone was like, you know, what the fuck, this kind of isn't cool, no one really thought that it was serious, because other friends of Sarah recalled that she was the type of person to often make empty threats. She would always, you know, puff up her chest and, you know, cause a scene, and but she was never known to follow through with anything that she threatened. So, like, even though, again, everyone kind of thought that Sarah pulling a knife on Adrian was just way overboard and ridiculous, no one actually thought that Sarah would ever do anything to literally hurt Adrian. <sighs> So the following night after this, things took a turn for the worse. Adrian decided that she wanted to go back to the party house, but without Sarah. And I know I've talked about this a little, but let me reiterate. Adrian had really become popular. Several students at Black Hawk recalled that Adrian was just bombarded with attention from other students. Mm-hmm. And eventually, Adrian did start branching out and making her own friends and, you know, having right. her own social relations. She wasn't attached to Sarah's hip anymore. And Adrian had every right to make her own friends and do her own thing, you know, and that's what she did. And especially after Sarah pulled a fucking knife on her. Yeah, fuck that Adrian girl. didn't really want to be around Sarah for a bit. I mean, understandably I so. I don't know anyone who would have a knife pulled on them and then be like, yeah, I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> 
But as Adrian is like making her decisions and kind of breaking away and realizing that Sarah just kind of a little is a little much, Sarah was just behind the scenes getting angrier and angrier and angrier because she truly felt that she was losing control of Adrian. She felt like that she didn't have that possession over Adrian. So Sarah just stewed in her rage and she just became increasingly more and more hostile towards Adrian as time went on. So back to what I was saying before that small little tangent, Adrian did decide that she was going to go back to this party house by herself. Uh, she wanted to go without Sarah. She just wanted to hang out with other people and talk to other people. Right. And there was a guy at the party house that night that was really interested in Adrian. So the two of them, you know, hung out, they chilled, they partied. And the two of them ended up sleeping together at the party. Oh. Uh... Now. Shit really went sour when Adrian came back downstairs to the party and she saw that Sarah had shown up unexpectedly. And the minute that Sarah saw Adrian, she got incredibly hostile. She started screaming at Adrian, calling her a whore as well as a bunch of other, you know, just a whole bunch of names. Mm -hmm. Sarah even screamed at Adrian, telling her that she did not deserve to live, which is like pretty fucking extreme and i hope someone took that seriously i mean yes and no i mean sarah she's going the fuck off on adrian in front of this entire house of people just yelling and screaming and just causing a scene and adrian ended up running out of the house crying her eyes out and Sarah just kept screaming and acting crazy as Adrian ran out of the house. Like, everyone was just like, what the fuck? And personally, that's a pretty callous fucking thing to do. Like, to go right. into a public place and just completely humiliate and belittle someone to the point to where they run out crying. Like, that's insanity. That is that is fucking mean. And everyone thought it was extremely unnecessary. Right. Everyone thought, again, that it wasn't cool. But I'm going to reiterate that next note that I said earlier. No one thought that Sarah would actually hurt anyone because she often made hollow promises and empty threats. So it's like no one really truly thought that Sarah was going to do much more than just raise her voice and yell and scream a little bit. Yeah, but... I don't know, man. Like, things escalating like that. It's bad. I just <laughs> wish that somebody would have taken it seriously. Like, somebody. Same. And I can say, too, like, we'll get into it. It breaks my heart in ways that I cannot describe that no one took this seriously. So, when Adrian was sitting outside crying, Harley was the one to come and comfort her. And Adrian was very surprised by this because she always thought of Harley as Sarah's best friend and not her friend. Mm -hmm. This is when a little spark happened between Harley and Adrian. They kind of, you know, had a moment, whatever we want to call that. They just, uh, there was a little spark and there was a moment. Mm. And moving on past that night, Adrian and Harley started hanging out and talking more without Sarah knowing. Right. Adrian and Harley even started passing flirty notes back and forth to one another behind Sarah's back. Like while they were at school, they would pass notes. In one of these notes, Adrian wrote that she loved Harley for being so respectful, nice, and honest towards her. And she said she was really starting to trust Harley. Mm -hmm. And that is beyond heartbreaking uh, to me that Adrian truly trusted her, uh, especially when I tell you what happened. It is this note is incredibly 
fucking haunting in retrospect. And it just, it makes me angry. It makes me so angry that Adrian trusted these people. I'm just, you know, whatever. Well, I'll save that tangent for later. Harley and Adrian, they kept talking, kept passing notes. They were keeping all of their interactions a secret from Sarah. Mm-hmm. They're continuing to talk and get closer. And one night, the two of them went to the movies together without telling Sarah. And okay. somehow, in some way, Sarah found out about it. She found out about everything. And as you can imagine, Sarah was pissed because not only did she feel that she had been betrayed by Adrian, but now she feels betrayed by Harley as well. And she's really starting to have this feeling that she's losing control over everything. She's lost control of Adrian. She's lost control of Harley, who is basically the equivalent of her lap dog. Right. She's losing everything. So Sarah decided in that moment that she hated Adrian and no longer wanted anything to do with her. So Sarah completely cut Adrian out of the picture, or so everyone thought. Uh, She started bad-mouthing Adrian at school to all of the other students. Uh, Sarah would even tell other students to not speak to Adrian. And I mean, you know, it's high school bullshit at its peak. Right. But Adrian didn't attack Sarah back. She didn't start bad-mouthing Sarah to anyone. Instead, the solution that Adrian saw to this problem was to win Sarah's friendship back. She didn't want to fight with Sarah, and she definitely didn't want Sarah to hate her. Mm-hmm. So Adrian started writing tons of notes to Sarah, uh, and she would attempt to give Sarah these notes at school. One of these notes read, quote, Sarah, why do you hate me so much, and why do you want me to die? End quote. Another one of the notes that Adrian wrote Sarah had the lyrics to the song Broken by Seether featuring Amy Lee. Right. Adrian also started calling Sarah all of the time, maybe 15 to 30 times a day, and Sarah would never respond to any of these calls or notes. Instead, Sarah was just cold and mean as fuck towards Adrian in response, which, again, very sad. I think it's calloused. Adrian genuinely wanted to fix things with Sarah, and Sarah was just operating on the highest caliber of mean bitch that you can operate on. And I'm sorry to put it that way, but that's how it was. You're seeing a a picture. You're seeing a picture. I'm seeing the picture, but a lot of this, like the circumstances between like, oh, I like you, then I hate you. I feel betrayed and this, that, and the third. Like, uh, I'm getting high school flashbacks like really bad. Yeah, this story (laughs) will- High school, middle school flashbacks are- It will take you there. It'll take you uh, there. It'll definitely take you there. And then something unexpected would happen for Adrian. On January 21st, 2005, Sarah just came up to her out of the blue and asked her if she wanted to go get lunch with her at the local Taco Bell. Sarah was saying that she wanted to patch things up. Sarah even told multiple other students that she wanted to fix things with Adrian. So Sarah tells Adrian, you know, hey, come get lunch with me. Let's talk it out. Let's fix it. And Adrian was super happy about this and she agreed to go. I don't like this at all. So after school, Adrian, Sarah, Harley, and a third kid named Sean all got into Sarah's car and went to Taco Bell. Adrian was sitting in the front seat with Sarah, who was driving. Harley would later say that the tension was indescribably strong. Uh, She said that she just knew a fight was going to break out. But at the same time, Harley also adamantly says that she had no idea 
of what was going to happen that day. And that's pretty interesting because I have a hard time believing that she was just oblivious to the whole situation. But I'm going to save that. I'll save that. Okay. Harley and Sean were in the back seat. And when they got to Taco Bell, Sarah parked her car in the back of the lot. And almost immediately upon parking, Sarah started screaming at Adrian. And a fight broke out between them. Sarah initially started screaming at Adrian about the fact that her and Harley had hung out and went to the movies without telling her. And shit just escalated very quickly from that point. When shit started going down like bad down, Sean told Sarah to stop. And Sarah told him, if you don't like it, then get the fuck out of my car. And that's what he did. Sean got out and he walked away. And the fight between Sarah and Adrian continued. Harley stayed in the back seat of the car with Adrian and Sarah as they fought. And shit was getting way out of hand. This bitch did this shit on purpose, bro. Oh, wholeheartedly. This we'll was we'll not get into a, that. Oh, this was not a... Let's... No. No. No, no, we'll, no. We'll, we'll get there. Because we'll, trust me, when I tell you, Ray, my best friend, love of mine... Buckle your fucking asshole. No, Buckle already, your fucking asshole. It's already quaking. I'm afraid it's going to fly through my stomach here very soon. So Sarah started swinging on Adrian, repeatedly punching her in her head and in her face. Sarah also grabbed Adrian by the back of her hair and she started telling Adrian to stay the fuck away from Harley. Adrian was fighting back as hard as she could and she even managed to punch Sarah square in her nose. But this just sent the fight into the next level. Like, it was horrific. After Adrian punched Sarah, just rage. Just complete rage. So Harley sat in the back seat of the car, not doing a goddamn thing to stop the fight. Harley even said in this documentary uh, that I watched, quote, Tension had been building so much that it seemed inevitable, and it seemed like the best thing to do was to let them fight it out. End quote. Oh, shit. She did nothing. She did nothing to stop the assault. She did nothing to stop Sarah. And she didn't do one fucking thing to protect Adrian. And I'm sorry if I sound a little angry like at this point. This makes me very angry. She sat there in that back seat. It was a setup the whole time. Yes. Harley sat there in that back seat as Adrian got the living fucking shit beat out of her and did nothing. Nothing. I'm just going to say that a hundred times. It absolutely makes me so mad that I could almost fucking vomit. And after Adrian hit Sarah in the nose, Harley jumped in to help Sarah. She grabbed Adrian's arms from the back seat of the car, holding her to the seat. And then Harley and Sarah put a leather belt around Adrian's neck. And with this belt in place, Sarah tightened it until Adrian stopped breathing. They strangled her to death in the parking lot of a Taco Bell. And that note blows my fucking mind, too. This happened in public. And it is shocking to me that there were teenagers in a Taco Bell parking lot sitting in a car screaming at and beating the shit out of one another. And, and no, no one noticed. No one, yeah. no one noticed or intervened. And I think that is fucking crazy because had someone noticed what was happening or even heard what was happening, this could have been stopped before it got to the point of no return. And that just absolutely breaks my fucking heart to pieces because you have to think Adrian's last moments on this earth were spent in a car at a Taco Bell parking lot where two people that she loved and trusted beat the shit out of her and strangled her to death with a fucking belt. I think it's interesting how Harley sat and was like, oh, you know, it's inevitable. It's best for them to just fight it out, but then going to jump in and fucking help kill her. Yes. Oh, and we're not done. 
we're not done. It does not end here. It does not end here. It just truly breaks my fucking heart because, you know, again, had someone seen this or saw what was going on from the outside and noticed what was happening, just anything, Adrian would still be here today. And there were also witness reports. Um, I don't know exactly who. I didn't even officially cite it in my notes, but evidently there was some other teenager uh, that told the police that he witnessed a car in the parking lot shaking and bumping. So it's like, how in the fuck did no one see this? How did no one know what was happening? I mean, I'll, I'll leave the tangent right there, but it truly breaks my heart. It really, really, truly does. I mean, minding your business is all well and good, but to a certain degree, like, guys. That's what I'm saying. Seriously. So let me continue on, because like I said, we are not done. We are so not done. Harley said that after Adrian stopped moving that she and Sarah just sat in the car smoking a cigarette. Harley said that initially they just thought Adrian passed out. They didn't think she was dead. But halfway through their cigarettes, they noticed that Adrian's face was swelling and turning blue and purple. And they saw that she was clearly dead. And Harley said that once Sarah realized that Adrian was dead, that she just started crying because she couldn't cope with what was happening. And it's like, you know what? Poor you, Sarah. You drove your, quote, best friend to a Taco Bell where you beat and strangled her to death. And now that she's dead, you, you all of a sudden. This. Right. Now that she's dead, all of a sudden you can't fucking deal with it. Poor Sarah. Like, poor Sarah. That shit, it bends my brain. It truly bends my brain. But even after Adrian had been strangled and was now dead, they weren't done. Sarah and Harley started panicking and they knew that they had to do something with Adrian's body. So Sarah got the idea to drive out to her grandfather's farm that was just a few miles away in Mercer County. And when they got there, Sarah and Harley wrapped Adrian's body in a tarp. They took her a little ways into the woods, laid her on the ground, covered her in gasoline, and set her on fire with a torch. They were thinking in their dumbass little brains that this would be enough to burn Adrian's body completely down to ash. But that's not how it works. In order to burn a body to ash you need continuous exposure to heat that is between i'm guessing i i think it's 1400 1800 degrees fahrenheit maybe even hotter than that yeah it's it's extremely fucking hot you're not going to achieve this with gasoline and a torch so once sarah and harley saw that adrian's body wasn't burning down completely they left to go get more gasoline and then they came back and set her on fire several more times in an attempt to burn her to ashes, and it didn't work. And I would also like to add right here that Harley would later say in an interview that she and Sarah burned Adrian's body because it was the honorable and respectful thing to do. They felt like she deserved to be cremated since they couldn't give her a proper funeral and burial. Get the fuck out of here. Which, honestly, fuck both of you. Get the fuck out of here. Fuck both of you. That's all I'm going to say because that is a load of fucking bullshit. Fuck both of you. Both of you can get fucked and fucking die. And that's, I'll, I'll quit my F-bombs after that, what? but that's how I feel. Did you see that? My asshole. <laughs> it's gone. Uh, In a flash. You didn't see that just, just now? Okay. <laughs> Into the sunset, baby. Into the sunset. So uh, continuing on, I just had to throw that little point uh, with what Harley said because that blew my mind. But uh, after they realized that Adrian's body would not burn up, 
Sarah got another wonderful idea. She was just like, well, fuck, we have no choice. We have to cut her into pieces now. And let me remind you, before we continue, just in case you forgot, these kids are 16 fucking years old. So at the first mention of the idea that they should dismember Adrian, Harley was not with it. She said that she didn't have the stomach to do that. So this is Oh, you had the stomach to burn a fucking body several times, but you don't have the stomach. You had the stomach to fucking kill her. You had the stomach to fucking burn her, but you don't have the stomach to cut her into pieces now? That's what I'm saying. I mean, that's your plan. That's your plan. Stick to the fucking plan. It's wild. It's truly wild. So Jesus. Harley said that she didn't have the stomach to do it. So this is where Sarah and Harley contacted a kid that they knew from Blackhawk, a kid named Nathan Godet. Get the fuck. Okay. Yeah. Now, Nathan, according to Harley, was the perfect person to ask for help because he was the kind of kid who loved blood and gore. And he was known to kill animals in his spare time. So Sarah and Harley call him up. They tell him that they had murdered Adrian and needed help dismembering her body. And Nathan's just like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll do it. It's fucking insane. What? They left Adrian's body in the woods for two days. And on Sunday, Sarah and Harley picked Nathan up and they told Nathan that he needed to bring a saw with him. And he did. Nathan stole his grandfather's handsaw. Oh, my God. So they get back to Adrian's body, which had been severely burned. And Nathan started chopping her into pieces with the saw. Harley said that as Nathan sawed off Adrian's head, arms, and her legs, that she and Sarah kept themselves distracted by talking about music. With one another. They didn't want to focus on the fact that Adrian was being hacked up in front of them. Not only did Nathan decapitate Adrian and remove all of her limbs, but he completely sawed her torso in half. She was in pieces. That's fucking wild. That's. She was in pieces. She was literally hacked up with a fucking saw. I I fuck. I I just. Oh, Harley would later say that she held open a garbage bag while Nathan put the decapitated head and severed arms of Adrian inside of it. Sarah, Harley, and Nathan then disposed of Adrian's body parts in separate locations. They first disposed of some of Adrian's body in a ravine that was located on Sarah's grandfather's farm. They covered her remains with branches and leaves. Then they loaded up the bag containing Adrian's head and arms and they put it inside of Sarah's car. And the three of them then went to a fucking McDonald's to grab cheeseburgers. Because according to Harley, they had been smoking marijuana all day and they had munchies. After the McDonald's trip, they then drove to a park that was called the Black Hawk State Historic Site, which was located in Rock Island. And when they got there, Sarah, Harley, and Nathan dumped Adrian's head and arms into a manhole. And then they covered it up. Now... The day that Adrian was murdered, her dad and stepmother knew something was wrong. Adrian never came home from school that day. Adrian was also scheduled to work a closing shift at the local checkers that she worked at, and she didn't show up for her shift either. And this was immediately unsettling. I have no fucking words. Yeah. Like, no. Me neither. Me neither. Asshole, gone. Like, completely gone. Six kids did this. Kids, we're talking about fucking kids. I will never stop reminding you of that. Tony and Joanne knew that something was wrong. Checkers actually called Tony and asked him where Adrian was. 
And he said the minute that he got this call, he just knew something was wrong. And as we know, you know, Adrian, yeah, she definitely rebelled quite a bit. And she had more than a few occasions where she acted out. But Adrian wouldn't have just not come home without saying anything to anyone. I also read that Adrian reportedly really liked her job at Checkers. So she wouldn't have missed her shift. I mean, and that day she went missing was also a payday for her. So, like, what teenager isn't going to show up to their job to get their money? Nothing seemed right. So after Tony and Joanne realized that they couldn't get a hold of Adrian, realizing that she's nowhere to be found, they called the police and reported her as missing. Due to Adrian's past, police immediately thought that she had run away. But Tony and Joanne were adamant. They were like, you know, please, please listen to us. She did not run away. I, we, we're telling you, we are telling you something is wrong. This is not her. I've been noticing a pattern with a lot of these police in these stories. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucker. Right. Not and another one. I've said it in several, several episodes. Police should not go into something like this with a preconceived notion of what has happened because you don't fucking know. And when you have these this this child, this teenager, whoever it may be, they're gone and their parents are telling you something's fucking wrong. The parents know better than anybody. You need to fucking like listen to that. Like if I, I don't so I, fucking infuriating. I don't even want to think about the the sheer amount of cases across the world of missing teenagers that were fucking murdered or kidnapped or something and police fiddled the fuck around because they initially assumed it was a runaway. I don't even want to think about how many times that has happened. But that was the case here. So police started interviewing students at the Black Hawk Outreach Center and several students told police that the last time they saw Adrian that she was leaving school with Sarah, Harley, and a boy named Sean to go and get lunch. So police immediately contacted Sarah, and Sarah told police over the phone that, yes, she had picked up Adrian to go grab some lunch that day. Then Sarah said she dropped Adrian off across the street at the McDonald's so that she could walk home. Evidently, this McDonald's was really close to Adrian's house. So after this call, the police just, I don't know, they didn't quite, they didn't really feel right about Sarah. They felt like she knew a little more than what she was letting on. So I think it was the following day after that that the police called Sarah again. And this time Sarah added some bits to her story. Sarah said, quote, I'll be honest with you. I hit her, end quote. So the police were like, uh, OK, you you hit her. What happened? So Sarah goes on this rant where she said that she didn't like Adrian. Sarah said that things between her and Adrian were not chill and that she actually got into a fight with Adrian at Taco Bell. So the police are just letting Sarah talk at this point. And when they asked, you know, like what caused the fight, Sarah said that she was angry at Adrian because she liked the boy that she liked. So Sarah's basically like, oh, well, you know, I like this guy and he's mine and Adrian likes him too and she won't leave him alone. So I had to make my point clear. You know, that kind of shit. Wow. Sarah said, Sarah said that after they exchanged some punches, she decided that Adrian just wasn't worth her time and that she was a skank. So she told Adrian, you know, let's just, let's keep it easy. Let's keep it kosher. Just stay away from her. And then Sarah said that after the fight, she just awkwardly dropped Adrian off at the McDonald's, which... That is fucking crazy. That is absolutely fucking crazy. And police are like, what the fuck? 
I mean, because if, if you really think about it, it doesn't make sense at all what Sarah is saying. Like, you're going to be adamant that you don't like this person at all. That but you're you going to give them a ride after right, a fist fight? Right, but you're going to give them a ride before, after? Like, why would you right. interact with that person at all if you don't like them? So that was definitely, you know, a little fucking weird. And Sarah also added the note that uh, she dropped Adrian off at the McDonald's because Adrian said she didn't want her dad to catch her in the car with a boy. Which that kind of sounded believable, but like still, the vibes are just like, really, that, that, that's not that's not setting right with right. me. So after all of this, police asked Sarah if she had heard from Adrian since dropping her off, and Sarah said that she hadn't. But she added, "Oh yeah, but if you do hear from her, I would love, I would just love if you guys could call me and let me know." What the fuck? She told police this over the phone. This bitch is. <sighs> so there's all of that. Needless to say, for the hundredth time, they're hyper suspicious of Sarah and they decided to dig deeper. So let me tell you this shit. As it would turn out, the uh, Black Hawk outreach program, that school required all of its students to keep journals. They would have to basically write in these journals throughout the day and then at the end of the day, every day they would get turned in. So police got a hold of Sarah's journal and it was uh. It was pretty interesting. Okay. So one of Sarah's journal entries read, quote, What is it with people today? It seems as if everyone is driving me crazy and all I want to do is slaughter them like the fucking sheep they are. End quote. Another one read, quote, I need a vacation so I don't hurt anyone or myself. End quote. Now this next entry stood out the most to police. It was dated January 21st, 2005, the day that Adrian Reynolds disappeared. This entry read, quote, So I might be getting expelled today for spreading the fucking jiff. Stupid bitch needs to back up off my Kool-Aid. She's going to give him a note? Yeah? Well, I'll fucking kill her. End quote. What? Under the jail. Under the jail. What the fuck? How do... Can someone Under please... Under the jail. Someone please explain to me the physical process and, and the physical motions, like, what is the process behind backing up off someone's Kool-Aid? I would love to know <laughs> what the fuck that meant, Sarah. Like, seriously, like, it blows my mind. Why are you sipping my Kool-Aid? You don't even know the flavor. And let, let, <laughs> let, me, just, let me just read one more time because it's okay. that crazy. I know. So I might be getting expelled today for spreading the fucking jiff. Like, okay, pause. What the fuck is even that? <laughs> okay, honestly, when I first read it, I immediately thought peanut butter, like creamy that's peanut what I, butter that's or what something. That's what I was thinking. But evidently, I don't know how true it is, but I did read a little something that said that Sarah had started calling Adrian Jif because she spread it. It was like an insult for Adrian. That's fucked up. I don't know how true it is. But literally, so for spreading the fucking jiff, stupid bitch needs to back up off my Kool-Aid. She's going to give him a note? Yeah? Well, I'll fucking kill her. Sarah. It sounds like a psychopath that's really hungry. It's <laughs> right. It's crazy. But you know what else fucking gets me? Th this was written... In a school journal. That how has the, to be turned in. How the... Who, 
who the fuck was in charge of this and why the fuck was this not read? That is what I want to know, how no one saw this in her school journal. That's fucking crazy. But, uh, you know, we can move on past that. Also, in that same entry, Sarah detailed how she was going to trick Adrian into going to lunch with her. So what this tells police and what this tells all of us listening, that this was, say it with me, premeditated as fuck. Sarah absolutely planned this. She had the idea in her mind from the very beginning that she was going to kill Adrian. This just wasn't a crime of passion or a situation that got out of hand. She planned it. Yeah. She planned every single bit of it. And to go even further into the premeditation to tell you how far ahead that these kids thought about this, there was a reason that Adrian's head and arms were bagged up and disposed of separately. They knew, Sarah and Harley knew, that fingerprints and dental records could identify Adrian. So they took her head and her arms and disposed of it separately because they knew if those parts were found that it would it would literally show who she was. Again, kids. Yeah. During the time that police are gathering all of this information on Sarah, you know, going through the journal entries, everyone is desperately searching for Adrian. Harley's conscience was eating her alive. Absolutely. She couldn't eat or sleep. She started having uncontrollable anxiety attacks and crying fits. And eventually, Harley told her dad that they needed a lawyer. Harley said that she had something she needed to tell police. She was just falling apart. So Harley's dad brought her to the police department. And this is where Harley confessed to everything. And Harley also told the police that she would take them to Adrian's body. And it was on January 26th. 2005 that harley led investigators to the black hawk state historical site park it was freezing outside that day and police officers as well as harley all walked a short ways down this path that eventually led to a manhole that was covered and inside of this manhole police looked down inside of it and they clearly saw a garbage bag and this bag would be the bag that contained adrian's severed head in her arms and it would be the following day after that that Harley would lead police to Sarah's grandfather's farm. And when police got there, they found the remaining parts of Adrian, including her torso, which was sawed in half, as well as her severed legs inside of a ravine. And her remains were covered with a layer of branches and leaves and other debris. Now, this next part is absolutely fucking heartbreaking, but uh, police had to notify Tony and Joanne immediately that they had found Adrian's body. It was around 2 a.m. on January 27th, and police called Tony to tell him that, you know, they were at his front door. They wanted to call him instead of knocking. And as for what was said, I have a clip for you guys to listen to. This is an audio clip of Tony, and I'm sampling this clip from the true crime docuseries called I Killed My BFF. Season 2, Episode 2 is the episode about Adrian Reynolds. Uh, so this clip is coming straight from that episode. I will be leaving a link in the show notes for those of you who maybe want to watch the full thing. And I'm going to play that for you now. It was like 2 o'clock in the morning. We heard a knock on the door. There was police and some people in some suits. and So I knew something was up. I'll never forget they said. We found Adrian. And it seemed like a long pause, and I'm waiting on to say, she's outside, she's in trouble, she 
gotten fight, whatever, you know. I guess I was waiting on him to say it was okay. And then they said she'd been murdered. I absolutely, I like fucking can't. Like when I was watching this documentary and I was, you know, taking my notes, doing my research, that made me fucking cry. I just can't. I cannot imagine any of this. Truly. That's insane. That's fucking insane. You know what? I'm glad that your conscience ate at you. <laughs> I hope it continues to eat you. <laughs> like I'm telling I you. I hope it continues to there, fuck you up. There's just there's no words for this, you know, and I couldn't imagine what Tony is feeling like to not only hear that your child was killed, but to hear that she was beaten, strangled, set on fire, and then dismembered with a fucking handsaw by two other kids that she knew and trusted. Like, what the fuck do you do with that? How do you recover from that? Like, I just can't explain it. It I just breaks me. Could. It breaks me. Like, these kids were 16 years old. Adrian was 16. I don't see how you could recover from that. So, like, I definitely couldn't. This news, it absolutely devastated Adrian's family. This entire area of Illinois was just completely dumbfounded that two 16-year-old kids could just do something so savage and so evil. The shockwaves that happened as a result of this is something that I, I can't adequately describe. Like, it's truly beyond. So, 16-year-olds Sarah Kolb and Harley Quinn were both arrested on February 1st, 2005, and they were both charged with two counts of first-degree murder, as well as concealment of a homicide. Sarah would be the first to go to trial, and her trial began on Halloween 2005 at the Rock Island County Courthouse. After almost two weeks of trial and over 15 hours of deliberation, the jury was unable to reach a unanimous verdict on any of the three charges that were brought against her. This resulted in a mistrial. And to be more specific, 11 jurors were in favor of guilty verdicts, but there was one juror who opted for acquittal. What? Yeah, just one. So Sarah's retrial was scheduled for February 6th, 2006 in Dixon, Illinois. And at this trial, a then 17-year-old Sarah Kolb was convicted on all counts. After her sentencing trial that took place a few months later, she was sentenced to a total of 53 years in prison for the two counts of first-degree murder and the concealment charge. She received 48 years for the murder charges and five years for the uh, concealment. And as of last year in 2023, Sarah Kolb submitted a request to be resentenced, hoping that she would maybe get less time. But her request was denied, and her original sentence of 53 years was upheld by the court. So today, Sarah is 34 years old, and she's serving her sentence at the Logan Correctional Center located in Lincoln, Illinois. Harley Quinn also went to trial for her part in things on July 10, 2006. She pleaded guilty to all charges, and Harley was then handed down a sentence of 45 years in prison, 40 years for the murder charges, and then 5 years for the concealment. And as of last year, Harley also requested to be resentenced in hopes that she could get less time. And at this hearing, Harley apologized profusely to Adrian's family, saying that she would do anything to bring her back and that she was truly sorry for what she had done. Adrian's family did not take the apology very well at all. 
Yeah, I understandably I so. Like I wouldn't either. Like that the would fuck? mean it would mean nothing to me. It would absolutely mean nothing to me. Like I'm sorry, you beat and burned and hacked apart my child. Like if that fuck was you. if that was my family member, and we were in court, right. the fucking bailiffs are gonna have to stop me, bitch. Like. <laughs> Like, <laughs> what was that video that just circulated recently of that jumping guy over jumping that? over? That would be you, I'm telling you. That would be me. Like, if you murdered anyone in my family, I'm going down, boy. Right. I'm going down. <laughs> so, today, Harley is also 34 years old, and she's serving her sentence at the Stateville Correctional Facility located in Crest Hill, Illinois. Lastly... Nathan Gaudet was also charged with concealment of a homicide for his role in helping to dismember Adrian. He pled guilty, but he was only given a sentence of only five years. He got five years for hacking someone up with a handsaw. Nathan would be released from juvenile detention on November 11th, 2008, after serving almost four years of his five-year sentence. And on April 16th, 2012, Nathan was killed in a car accident in Indiana. He was only 23 years old. So continuing on, 10 years after the brutal murder, on January 21st, 2015, the friends and family of Adrian Reynolds gathered in East Moline at Black Hawk Outreach to hold a candlelight vigil. This event was in honor of Adrian and the beautiful person that she was. Adrian's family and her friends all came together to remember her as well as to grieve the life that she never got a chance to live. Everyone sang Amazing Grace at this vigil because that was Adrian's favorite hymn. Tony and Joanne both spoke at this vigil and Joanne stated that Adrian's bedroom is exactly the same as it was on the day that she was in it last. And when Joanne and Tony spoke about how, you know, their lives had changed since losing Adrian... They spoke about how there's a permanent emptiness in their lives and in their home. They talked about how they now have grandchildren that are running around the house, and those grandchildren sometimes peek inside Adrian's room. And Joanne said, quote, they don't understand. They just know she's not there, end quote. At another point in this vigil, Tony Reynolds played the song Dancing in the Sky by Danny and Lizzie. Uh, he downloaded the song off of YouTube. I... I will go ahead and say I don't know this song, um, but in the news article that I read about the vigil, some of the lyrics to that song are as follows, quote, Cause here on earth, it feels like everything good is missing since you left, and here on earth, everything's different. There's an emptiness. I hope you're dancing in the sky, and I hope you're singing in the angels' choir, end quote. Another thing to come from this case was the ALR or Adrian Lee Reynolds Memorial Fund. Adrian's uncle Mike McCollum said that the organization was designed to reach out to troubled teens with a message. That message being that senseless violence and hatred was never the answer to life's problems, but rather love and understanding was. So Mike spoke publicly on behalf of the ALR fund at a Christian Friendliness Center in East Moline and during his speech, he talked about how Adrian had real ambitions and real dreams that she wanted to pursue. He talked about how she wanted to sing on American Idol one day and she wanted to get her GED and join the Marines. Mike Hollum is quoted saying, quote, Adrian had dreams and she was robbed of her dreams and we were robbed of being able to watch her fulfill her dreams. 
Hate and anger have taken too many innocent lives. All you need is love, and it starts with each of us. And uh, that will conclude my coverage of the Adrian Reynolds story. I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't yeah. speak. Like, the, the first thing that shut me up was the, the fact that Homeboy helped conceal a murder, didn't report it, cut the body up, and only got five, five years. Five years. Five years. Yeah, and he only served... I think for almost four years. So, I mean, he got out early, but yeah. you know, like I also said, he was it's, also it's killed just wild. It's just wild because yeah. like, even though he didn't commit the murder, you still, helped, you, you hacked her up. You still helped to conceal the murder. And I think there should be probably a, a stiffer penalty for that. Right. I mean, it, it absolutely blows my mind. Like there are people that have sentences Four times longer than that for smoking weed. Exactly. But you can hack someone up with a saw and get five years. I also thought that was fucking ridiculously crazy. Ridiculously crazy. But, uh, you know, Harley and Sarah, they're for the long foreseeable future. <laughs> for the long foreseeable future. And I they hope are... you never have a day of peace. I hope that you have to deal with the popularity bullshit in prison. <laughs> And not in the good way. And not in the good way. I mean, I'm telling oh my you, God, it's just man. this this story is fucking crazy. Yeah, it, I, I need, where is my workman comp button? Your workman's where comp Where is my button? workman's comp button? <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> workman's comp! Uh, so. Like, I, I need a button every time my asshole flies off of my body at the speed of mock Jesus it put on a flash costume and ran around this world three times. Not the fucking flash costume. The fucking Not flash, the flash costume. The fucking flash costume. My fucking asshole said, nope, not today, Satan, and <laughs> ran for its life. Mine did too. Like, gone. 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 Gio Winnie, gone. So, I, I really, I don't really know what to say at the end of this i mean clearly like i said earlier i made it pretty clear like with certain things how i felt i definitely think this was premeditated it, it i think was, i think yeah. sarah planned this like i'm sorry you just don't stumble into that and above all else my heart absolutely breaks for adrian's family she was a beautiful smart child she had talent and you read about her and you learn about her and she just truly seemed like this this certain type of soul. I don't really know how to describe it, but knowing that this poor child had so much life in front of her yeah. only to be taken so brutally by people that she loved and trusted. Yeah. And then, you know what I was saying earlier about that note that Adrian wrote about Harley? Mm-hmm. Holy shit. Holy fucking shit. Spreading the gif. Yeah, and I'm, and if that's one thing that like I I'm gonna ask like, all of Gage, our listeners, can you back up off my fucking Kool Aid, bro? No, again, because <laughs> someone, I, we invite conversation. Someone, let me know. I need to know what is entailed in the process. Like, what are the steps of backing up off of <laughs> someone's fucking Kool Aid? How do you do it? Does that imply that there's ways to back up off of people's sweet tea? 
back up off my fucking latte, back up off my sweet tea, back up off my macchiato. Right? Like, what does that imply? Is there a whole world of backing up off of people's beverages? Back up off I, my milk, bro. Right? <laughs> I can. I can't. Like, I literally just can't. Like, but uh, you know, this story is fucking crazy. I guess at the end of it, like, to to stop my awkward rambling, I just my heart goes out to the friends and family of Adrian. I hope that some real healing can be found. I mean, obviously, you never recover from something like this. I yeah. just. Uh, I couldn't imagine, but we wish everyone the best. Our condolences are with you. I truly hope that I did her story justice. It's one that deserves to be told. I definitely think you did it justice because technically, like, we're both speechless at this point. Right. Like, we're literally just like, trying the, to fill the blanks with I, anything that we can. Like, like I God. totally, this story gave me a moment where I disassociated and began reliving <laughs> high school and middle school. It, it I, got me pretty bad in that way, too. Like, it really did. And, you know, I've gotten into a fight in a car. It hurts. <laughs> It hurts. You do not have the room to swing. You don't have the room. It's absolutely. It fucking it's hurts. Just, it's insanity. So it's then I disassociated insanity. and put myself in that situation. And I was like, this is not good. This is not. This is. Just, it does not. It is not good. I'm stuttering. So you guys, I hope you enjoyed our episode this week. We thank you so much for listening. And if you would like to follow Ray and I and all of our Well, great news. You can totally do that. You can find us on Facebook at Gore Report, a true crime podcast. On Instagram at Gore Report Podcast. And check out our Patreon. www.patreon.com slash Gore Report Podcast. <laughs> or if you just want to drop us a line, request a case, say hello, we would be happy to hear from you. You can hit up our email at GoreReportPod at Gmail. Dot com and uh that's really all all we have to say for this one i guess we're just gonna we're just gonna go i'm now. just gonna go yeah we're just gonna i'm just go. gonna go so, i gotta uh, go find my asshole it's out in the yard somewhere. i have to go print up some missing missing asshole reports <laughs> and pl- paste them on the sidewalk <laughs> oh man okay and until next time bye Back the fuck up off my Kool-Aid. Are you afraid?